0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Oh, no. Fight Back with Libby Nimer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby is off for today.
1: While parents wait to find out more details of what school will look like in just five weeks, it seems Canadian moms and dads are divided about whether to send their kids to school. We begin our segment on reopening schools and how parents are feeling about it with Andrew Enns, Executive Vice President of Leger. Andrew, welcome. Hi, Jane. Thanks for having me on. What did you find out from this poll about how parents are feeling? Well, this is
2: this was the second uh, wave of questions we asked a few last week. Uh, this week, we asked them questions with respect to, um, well, when school reopens and assuming we're going to have some in-class learning, which seems to be the the talk these days, uh, will will they send their their kids to school? And what we found was. Almost 60%, 59% of Canadian parents are saying they're going to send their their kids to school. 18% are going to keep them at home. And I I think the interesting number, almost a quarter, 23% of parents, still don't know at this time what they're going to do. And the clock is ticking.
1: Oh, (laughs) absolutely. Uh, It seems parents are united on implementing safeguards to prevent students and teachers from contracting COVID-19. That's not really a surprise.
2: Right. Yeah, we've got, we, we, we ran a number of sort of measures that uh, whether parents would agree that these would be good things to have if their kids do go back to school. And things like temperature checks, uh, you know, strong majority, 80%, 80% plus saying, yes, temperature checks should be done on children on a, on a daily basis. Uh, mask wearing for the teachers, yep. 80% plus uh, a bit of a screening questionnaire for kids on a daily basis. You know, are you feeling any cough, cold, those kind of things that, that we're, we're sort of becoming accustomed to where, where there is a little bit of, uh, um, uh, I, I guess, a little bit of uh, differences of opinion among parents is, is whether or not the kids themselves should be wearing masks. That's, uh, that's a little bit of a lower number, still a majority, but 65% would like to see kids wearing masks. But, uh, you know the students, but uh, it's, that's probably the one that's still up in the air. I would suspect.
1: Uh, on the questions that you asked, uh, do uh, the results differ by region or province? Not, not a
2: great deal. Uh, I, you see, it on the mask wearing side, you see that a little bit, uh, uh, you know, a bit higher in in Ontario, for example. But I think you're you're seeing the mask wearing in general in the public, uh, you know, moving up. Uh, in Ontario so I think that's a reflection but by and large there's not a not a lot of regional difference uh, amongst the where parents live um, you know I think I think everybody from coast to coast is kind of getting their head wrapped around this
1: and Andrew ends of leger what about juggling work for themselves and school for <laughs> the kids oh, what are the yes. thoughts about that that's still there are a lot of unknowns there as well you know right
2: we you know we uh, you know, we asked the question uh, because a lot of a lot of the conversation around back to school seems to be centering around on, on on a sort of a hybrid week where where kids would be uh, you know going to school for a few days, maybe two days a week, one week, and then back home for three days, and then you know three days at school the following week, which you know allows for that social distancing in the classroom. But oh, my goodness, it makes for a little bit of a bouncy work week for uh, for mom and dad at home. But you know what? I don't think that's as big a problem as maybe it it' it potentially looks like it could be. What we found was there's a real mixture of of parental situations. Uh, you know, about a quarter, twenty three percent of parents look at my kids are old enough. It's not a big deal if they're home or at school. Um, they'll, they'll function. Um, there's eighteen percent the spouse is already at home, and um, you know uh, one of the one of the parents is at home and, and no plans to go back to the office. Uh, the, there's 16% where you've got the spouse, uh, you know, the, they'll alternate. So those that could be a bit of a disruption. They'll have to sort of bounce around a little bit. Um, and then you've got 15%. You, there's at least one parent not working, and so uh, it's not a problem. So I, I think that's not as big a big an issue as maybe. You know, potentially it might have been, say, even before COVID hit, and where we were more traditionally going to the workplace. I think things have settled into a pattern where where there, this is going to be manageable.
1: The new normal, maybe. Uh-huh. I'd like to put the question to our Zoomer radio listeners as well. If you're parents of if you're a parent of a school-aged child, what decisions have you made in advance? Or are you waiting on the provincial government to announce all of the details? We've heard a little bit about a hybrid solution. Uh, so what are your thoughts? Uh, we all care very much uh, especially when our children are young about their well-being and th- making sure that they have social interaction with other kids and that they're learning properly. Uh, so your thoughts on that, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Of course, you throw a pandemic in there, and it changes the way we think, certainly. Let's go to Jean in Mississauga. Jean, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm, I
3: know how important it is to get them back to school socially and learning-wise, but I, my question is, I've wondered for a while, Uh, They keep talking about the children basically under 10 are less likely to get it and less likely to spread it. But I don't know how they figure that out when those children, that group has been totally sheltered pretty well for four months. How can they be sure when they get exposed to it, they're not going to get it.
1: Well, our epidemiologists that we have on on a regular basis would say that based on exposure around the globe, they can make certain conclusions that uh, certain age groups are affected and are affected more dramatically and negatively. So they do know, uh, they do have some research on that, especially since the pandemic continues. But it, it is a very good question. When you send young children to school, how do you, will they be asymptomatic if they pick it up? Um, will they end up getting it in a different form? It's so much and, a, and then transfer and uh, transfer it when sure, they get home. Exactly to grandparents, yeah. uh, older people. Exactly. Thanks for calling in, Jean. Let's go to David in Queensville. Go ahead, David.
4: Yes, Jean, It's uh, I haven't we haven't talked. It's good to hear your voice. You're a very good host, as has Bob been too. Also for Libby. And uh, thank I'm you. Just, Thanks for I'm, calling. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a grandpa, and I've got a uh, granddaughter five. Uh, grandson's 15, nine, and one just born a few weeks ago. And uh, I've spent all five years of my granddaughter's life as her second to her mother primary caregiver. And she just had her first year back to school, which was shattered. And she was fearful of it before entering and then totally embraced it so that she could not leave school each day without hugging her teacher. Mm-hmm and um and so, in the its adjustment, so and my observations with my granddaughter listening to her because it 's her we 're talking about is different things, and it 's really about um I know we need uh, um, um, you know books and tech tools, social activity, but play is is, is really important, and all learning, like we 're learning now, nature is our greatest resource, so the playground equipment in her school and others we 've been parks all over is insufficient and broken. And uh, it's not what they really want. Like, they want a lot more slides. Like, we use hills in the winter for slides. It's easy to build hills that could be slides all winter long. There's uh, uh, climbing options that are safe. And uh, there's always not enough swings and parents sitting out there in the hot sun with their kids crying because they can't get a turn on the swing. And, and that, these these are our children. And we, we don't even give them resources. And we put the equipment in hot sun where they, the slide's so hot you can't go on it. They don't they put a canopy where the parents sit and, and play on their phones. On no, their, I understand. Know, like disabled, but the uh, the kids are out in the hot sun. I understand, David. And you
1: bring up an excellent point. Uh, I'm just going to let you go just uh, because of timing here. I want to get to Laura Walton. One final question for you, Andrew, ends at Leger. I guess... I, you have to be 18 or over to answer a phone survey, so it's hard to actually get the opinions of children during yeah. all of this. That's uh, you
2: know that's correct, Jane. Uh, you know we are uh, we're, we're actually doing a, um, uh, a more more of a youth survey where we will tap into a few of the uh, later high school student opinions on this, and I think it will be uh, will be interesting when we see that data. But no. You know, I think uh, you know. I can only speak, uh, you know, as a parent myself with a couple of teenagers at home who have been chafing at the bit. I think they're, uh, if you were to put it to them, they'd be anxious to get back to class and to see their friends and and to, and to uh, maybe not necessarily sit in front of the teacher all the time, but I think certainly to to interact a bit more regularly with some friends. Uh, I would suspect you'd see a fairly fairly supportive number of that. Right.
1: Andrew Enns, Vice President of Leger, thanks for your time today.
2: Oh, that's great. I really appreciate you having me on.
1: Yeah, you were great. Thanks. thanks. Let's Bye-bye. bring in Laura Walton, President of QB's Ontario School Board Council of Unions, who represents 55,000 education workers in Ontario. Laura, thanks for waiting. What oh, are the concerns of me. the employees that you represent? Uh, pardon me? What are the concerns of the uh, education well, workers? You know, uh,
3: Let's be honest, there is a lot of anxiety, and I think a lot of the anxiety, and it's probably reflective of what Andrew was seeing in his survey, um, I think it's the fear of the unknown. Without having clear plans um, or a clear roadmap on how we're moving forward, uh, there's a great deal of anxiety on 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 what's going to happen. And I think, you know, also important to remember, and our members, many of them are also parents. Uh, so they're they're trying to see what does this look like. Uh, where do I put my children? Am I heading back to work? Am I putting myself at risk? of bringing something back home. Uh, we have many people who often take care of their parents or uh, immunocompromised family members. There's some concerns there. Um, but the other thing we're hearing is that people want to be back with their students. Um, it's very difficult. And I, I smiled when David talked about the importance of play. Uh, you know, no one knows that more than our, our early childhood educators.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: and, you know, they're really, you know, they miss their kids. They, you know, uh, many of the folks that, you know, work in schools do consider their, their students their children by extension. And, and they're missing them and they're missing that routine and they're, they're missing the ability to, uh, you know, connect with them. Um, on so many different levels.
1: Laura, before we get to the Ontario NDP education critic Marit Stiles, I just I'd like yeah. to hear like to hear from you because you represent so many education workers. What do you all think schools should look like in September? Listen,
3: I think one of the the most important things that we need to talk about as far as schools uh, is that it needs to be properly funded in order to be safe. Uh, so, you know, it was really uh, good for me to see some of the survey results from Leger today saying, you know, masks, parents want to see masks. Parents want to see some screening being done. These things will be a cost because there will be staffing associated to doing the screening. We need to have those in place because it's important that parents believe that they're sending their children to safe spaces. Uh, The other thing we're calling on the government to do is create a provincial cleaning standard throughout the province of Ontario. Um, I don't know if many of your listeners or you yourself know, there is no provincial cleaning standard for schools in Ontario whatsoever. Uh, And we're saying, you know what, that's something that needs to be looked at pre-pandemic, but definitely in the midst of a pandemic, uh, a cleaning standard needs to happen, and there needs to be funding to ensure that these schools are clean and sanitized. Hmm. Uh, And then, you know, if they're going to be doing an approach to reopening, you know, we haven't seen a provincial approach to reopening. We've seen it being left up to individual boards to have individual plans. Um And the government also hasn't put that funding in place. And, the, you know, I, I am uh, good friends with Marit and I'm sure she's going to talk about the same thing. And, you know, if they want this to be reopening, if they want to do it, it needs to be a provincial plan with provincial funding that will assure parents, whether you are in Toronto, you're in Ottawa, you're in Sault Ste. Marie, that your child is going to be entering into an area that is safe, that is sanitized, that physical distancing can be maintained, um, where they're going to be getting that type of care and right now, we're not seeing that from the government. And I think, you know, that may be why we are seeing a lack of confidence in parents in whether they're going to send their children back to school or not.
1: Laura, thank you for your input. You're Laura you're Walton, welcome. president of CUPE's Ontario School Board, Council of Unions. She represents 50, 55,000 education workers in this province. Marit Stiles is with us. She is the education critic for the opposition New Democrats at Queen's Park. Nice to chat with you again, Marit. Great to be here. Do you have any idea what the official plan is going to look like? Well, uh, there have been
3: few details, and I think as Laura Walton just mentioned, um, what we do know is that the government has challenged, I guess is a nice way to put it, um, school boards to come up with different models. Uh, The problem is that there doesn't seem to be any province-wide guidelines or model, and what we seem to be seeing increasingly is the government sort of downloading and um, abdicating responsibility for the opening down to local school boards. And the reason that's a problem from my perspective is that some boards are not very large. Some boards simply do not have that kind of capacity. And certainly at this stage, we haven't seen any additional funding, um, attached.
1: And especially during the summer months, uh, would there be much reaction coming from school boards at this point in the year? Well, you know, in
3: a, in a, in a quote-unquote normal school year, um, boards would have all their plans in place in the spring. Um, they'd have their budgets passed. They'd have hired the teachers for the fall. You know, everything would be lined up. So this year is obviously very different. And school boards have been scrambling to put together plans. I don't think there's anybody taking much of a, of a vacation this year. Right. Uh, so, so they have been doing doing... doing, um, I would say, pretty incredible work ever since the pandemic began. The problem is I'm not really sure what the Ministry of Education has been doing, because what I'm hearing from school boards is that they're getting very little support, if any, and that now they're being basically told you're kind of on your own. And we'll see what the minister actually announces this week.
1: Well, so far, we've heard about this hybrid solution. Does it look like we'll see a follow through on that idea? Well, some school boards have come out and said, "Uh, look, we we can do that.
3: But these are the costs involved and they're pretty significant i mean to to move and i think what they're hearing is the same thing i'm hearing from most parents actually is that parents and and children and students would rather be back at school full time and to do that is going to mean hiring more teachers more education workers and creating more space and all of the other additional kind of infection control measures and stuff that that Laura Walton just mentioned so so that's a huge undertaking but i have to say i think that for the most part um school boards are saying that that hybrid model has many many problems and one of the biggest ones i think we have to all recognize and i'm hearing from like thousands of parents families from across the province is that for a lot of families, the option of a hybrid model really complicates things for them. Uh, it means more families are considering, you know, which one of them is going to have to leave their jobs. Uh, we're already seeing the economy take a, uh, another hit in that regard, and and so for a lot of folks, I think we've come to a place where it looks like, unless you choose, as some of the people respondents in that survey did, you know, to say, look, I don't feel safe sending my kid to school. Period. Um, most families would rather see, you know, many smaller classes. Tough infection controls, more teachers, more supports, but a but a back to school approach.
1: Well, I mean, based on the government's own guidelines, just yesterday they upped the number for daycares and and day camps from. 10 uh, children in a cohort to 15. So presumably five weeks from now, that number is not going to be a whole lot bigger for individual classrooms. So there will need to be an investment made in having more teachers since the classroom sizes would presumably be a whole lot smaller.
3: Absolutely. In any scenario, really, that's safe at this point, and given everything we know, it has to be a smaller class. And, you know, don't forget, like we have seen class sizes Grow over the last few years, um, mostly in the in the in the later grades, but or across the board. And so we have classes that are 25, 30 kids. You've got to figure out a way now. You might have to double the number of educators um, if you're going to go back to a full-time model, and that means also space. So, you know, we can we can maybe recover some of those mothballed classrooms or or schools that were shut. There were a number of schools that were shut by the previous government. Maybe it's time if they haven't been sold off yet to reclaim those buildings. There's lots of creative things that could be mm-hmm. done, but we are really running low on time now. We're talking about a a matter of weeks before schools should be reopening.
1: And what about reallocating resources so you don't end up spending a whole lot more if you move more resources to the elementary schools and and less to the high schools where students can be learning at home? Would that make sense on any level? Well, you know, I mean, I've heard uh, obviously mixed reports, and I think it's fair to say that some students
3: found um, online learning to be not a bad Thing for them, but many, many others um, really, really struggled. And families have talked a lot about that. Even, even high school students. Uh, I'm the parent of a high school student, and even the high school students need a fair amount of support if they're doing online courses. So, uh, you know, certainly, I know that boards are looking at different options like that, but um, but there isn't a lot of of wiggle room in in school board budgets. Uh, there simply isn't. We are already pretty strapped. We've seen uh, funding for education not increase at the same rate as inflation uh, over, my gosh, the last 20 years. So we really have uh, not a lot of wiggle room and not a lot of flexibility in the system. And so what we know uh, is that if we are going to move to this model, the government can't you know, just provide a status quo budget. They need to actually fund education properly. They need to fund this pandemic properly. And it's absolutely essential to economic economic recovery. I can't stress that enough. It's, it's, good, it's better for our students, certainly, our, their health, their well-being, their education. But we also need to make sure that
1: families are supported to be able to return to work if they, if they need to. Well, based on the models... That we have right now for classroom sizes or daycare sizes, day camp sizes, and the fact that that's going to be a whole lot more money there. I would say there is an indication that the education minister will be announcing more funds, possibly some of that uh, transfer money they got from the federal government.
3: Yeah, I, I would really hope that he is going to do that. Um, we have certainly uh, indicated, um, and I've, I brought a motion forward in the legislature, ask, legislature asking the minister to uh, put the resources in place, fund this properly. Um, so far, we haven't seen that. Um, I would hope that he will be coming forward with some commitment. Uh, certainly... Um, I know reporters were asking yesterday if some of those transfer payments would be going into education and the premier wasn't very, was pretty noncommittal, but uh, you know, that's what we're going to have to see. And I hope and I know from talking to so many families that they're really at wits end. So we really hope the government will, will step up, um, this time on education. Uh, and, and also I really hope that they will take some responsibility here. You know, not leave everything to school boards. Because again, some school boards, like the Toronto District School Board, is a massive, you know, entity, has lots of capacity to make big decisions. But not every school board does. And, uh, and it's really an equity issue for many parts of our province where, you know, some boards are going to really struggle uh, in ways that others don't. Um, and, you know, the other big issue I, I have to raise. is uh, Very quickly,
1: Marit, I'm, I'm a minute Please. late for the news already.
3: <laughs> yeah, just transportation, busing, a yeah. huge problem for many kids in this province.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Marit Stiles, the education critic for the opposition New Democrats at Queen's Park.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.